Uh, today is Palm Sunday. I want to read a scripture from uh, Luke chapter 19 that reminds us about what Palm Sunday is, um, is all about. It says this, it says, and they brought it to Jesus talking about this little colt. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Underline that. Circle that in your Bible. You need to remember that. The people that were praising God and rejoicing were ones who had seen the mighty works of Jesus, all the works of Jesus, okay? It says, um, then saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said, I tell you this, if these were silent, the stones would cry out. Aren't you glad we get, we don't have to have stones given doing our praising for us. We can praise the Lord for ourselves. Amen. Amen. I believe that. But the scripture in, um, in most of the translations, it says this, that they were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, and, and, and then it followed up by blessed be those that come, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed are those that come in the name of the Lord. And sometimes I think we can, we could, could be led to believe maybe through songs, through just practice traditions of history, we could, we could think that the word Hosanna means blessed is the Lord, that it's a word of praise. And, and, and it can be in some ways, but, but really what the word Hosanna means is it's a cry that says, save us, deliver us. And, and so what the people were doing is they were going, in my opinion, what the people were doing is, we've seen you do natural works, God. We've seen you raise dead children, raise Lazarus. We've seen you do amazing things in the natural. We've seen you uh, feed 5,000. We've seen you uh, do incredible miracles and heal the lepers and heal the, the, the blind man and, and all the things. We've seen miraculous things that you've done. Now, Jesus, come and deliver us from natural oppression. They were saying, we've seen what you did in the spiritual area. Now do something in the natural. Deliver us from these Roman oppressors. They were, they were wanting a change to take place in the government. Now, I think we need to be careful here because sometimes we can fall into this same trap. We can think that the things that God is doing in the natural or spiritual, and we want him to do something different. So, so again, catch this. I don't want you to get confused with this. He had done healings in the natural. He had fed people in the natural. And they saw this as a spiritual manifestation. Okay? And, and it was in some senses. But they wanted now a natural manifestation. They wanted freedom in, from the Roman oppression. They wanted to be their own nation again. They, they, they wanted him to do that. And I think Jesus was saying, hey, look, what I've been doing, I've been doing in the natural, but now I'm going to do a great work in the spiritual. I'm going to do a great work in the spirit because the kingdom that I'm coming to establish is not a kingdom like earthly kingdoms. It's a kingdom where people can be saved, not just from an oppressor, but saved from their sin and saved from the things that will damn them eternally. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to do something that goes beyond a realm that you can see in the natural. This morning, I'm telling you that I believe 
that God wants to do a work in our lives that goes so deep, is so deep by His Spirit, in our spirit, in the spirit of man, and by His Spirit that it manifests, that it shows to every man, every woman, every boy and girl that we come in contact with. And it starts, it starts with God doing a work of salvation, save us, and deliverance by delivering us, by delivering us from the attacks of the enemy, by delivering us from the curse of sin, by delivering us from oppression, by delivering us from the things that keep us and limit us and hindering us from living the life that God wants us to live. Many people know that God really has created us to live a life beyond limitations. Amen? I mean, I believe that, and I believe that. So, so this morning, I want us to just kind of wrap up uh, this, this short encouragement with this thought, that, that what Jesus came to do, how many people know that, that on Palm Sunday when he went in and he had this great celebration and people were praising his name and they were, they were shouting his praises and they were saying, you've, you've done so many great things, now come and be the Messiah, be the king, be the one who will rule over us in the natural. And he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to be your king, but I'm going to do it a different way. And when he walked through all the things that took place, he came to Good Friday. He came to the place of the cross. Now listen, folks, I'm excited about Easter. I believe God's got a great word for us this next week already about resurrection and, and who Easter is for and who resurrection's for. But, but can I tell you that there's been a little concern in my life, I'm talking about my life, that I go so quickly from, God, we praise you and, and come and do great things in our lives to resurrection. We want resurrection life without getting to the cross. And can I tell you that before we live resurrection life, we've got to live crucified life. Amen? But before we, we come to the place of saying, God, I want all the blessings, I want all the, we've got to come and say, God, start with a transference of identity, and that takes place at the cross. It takes place at the cross. And so let's, let's, not, let's not move too quickly beyond that. You know, we've been in a season of prayer and fasting, and... Um, and some of you, I don't know all the things that you've been praying and fasting, but there's been some, some food, you know, little bits of food. We've been fasting, fasting some entertainment things, been fasting some, um, some NCAA, you know, March Madness, uh, which uh, I came in this morning and some of the guys were standing back there drinking coffee, talking about, oh, man, did you see those games? They were incredible games. And I started getting the shakes, you know, like, so I was like, so, oh, man, you know. The, but, but, but seriously, can I tell you that? But there have been times in my life, man, where I fast and I'm on a high and I'm praying. And, and man, it's been a battle. I, I don't know if anybody else has experienced that. But I, I found out, man, I want to, you know, I, I find myself reaching for the TV, the remote control, or, or saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to eat this, but then maybe even eating it. And, and it just, it's, I, felt, I felt the flesh, the flesh wanting to be in control. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No, pastor, just you. The rest of we all live at a high. Raise your, you know, point your hands this way. Pray for your pastor. God save him. You know, so, <clears throat> folks, I'm telling you today that God wants us. He gives us the power. Look, His grace is not a, a, an enablement to live and to accept the weakness of sin. 
His grace is the ability and the power to live beyond sin. It's the ability to overcome. It's the ability ability to live the crucified life. I want to read one more scripture, and then we're going to have communion this morning. Guys, if you want to get ready. Romans chapter 6 puts it this way. It says, For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we could no longer be enslaved by sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. How many people would love to be set free from that sin, which keeps that sin of anger, that sin of procrastination, that sin of temptation, that sin of lust, that sin of gluttony, that's whatever that sin is. You know, the Bible says that we are to know the sin, the weight and the sin which easily besets us. We're to lay it aside. I mean, we, we've, we've all got those areas. We've all got these places of weakness. And can I tell you that the God wants us to be dead to sin, that we can be alive in the spirit, alive to righteousness. How many people know that sin hurts us? Listen, that's why God's not, you know, when we talk about different types of sins, God's not mad at sinners. He's mad at sin. Do you know why he's mad at sin? Because sin hurts you. Sin opens your life up to things that will be harmful and hurtful and painful in your life. God, God's not trying to find reasons to beat us because of sin. I mean, he wouldn't have to look far, right? I mean, do you know, right? But what he's doing, he's saying, hey, I want sin out of your life. I want you dead to sin because every sin, every sin, with every sin, there's a price we pay. And with every sin, there's, a, there's some type of a mark, a hurt, a limitation that comes upon our lives. And so he says, he says then, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Do you all want to know the cure for sin? It's death. It's death. But can I tell you the good news? It's not our death. It's the death of Jesus upon the cross. That Jesus died upon that cross to carry, to take every one of our sins, even that sin that comes, shows up all too often, that sin that shows up weekly, that sin that shows up daily, that, that thing that keeps manifesting. Can I tell you, the place we run is we run back to the cross. We say, Jesus, your finished work, your love, your death on the cross. God, I receive that death as my death. I receive it as my death so that in just a few days, when we get to the tomb, when we go and we find it empty, that I can say in the same way that I say yes to life in Jesus, I have already said yes to death in Jesus. For that death, for the crucifixion, is always the predecessor to the resurrection. So I encourage you this morning, I encourage you this morning. I'm just telling you in my heart. In my heart, I want to be more dead to sin than I've ever been in my life. I want to identify with the death 
of the finished work of Jesus on the cross more than I've ever had in my life. So the scripture goes on in verse 8 and says this, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we, all sh- we shall also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he now lives to God. So, listen to this, verse 11. If you got your Bibles, highlight this, underline it. So, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought, I'm sorry, those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin, listen to this church, for sin will have dominion over you, for sin will have no dominion over you, for sin will have no dominion over you, for sin will have no dominion over you. For sin will have no dominion over you. Hey, sin doesn't rule your life. Sin doesn't reign in your life. Sin's not the thing that you're always focusing on. Can I tell you this? Since you are not under law, but you're under grace. You're under grace that says, I can receive the finished work of Jesus Christ and his shed blood upon the cross. I can receive his death as my death. Reckon myself to dead, that I am dead to sin, dead to trespasses, so I can live I can live in Jesus. Amen?